Amen. I'm glad you do. Turn in your Bibles, if you will. The book of 2 Samuel, chapter 23 and verse 20. As we start a new series today, the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 20, as we start a new series called Lion Chasers. Everybody say Lion Chasers. So uh, we're getting ready for a revival. A revival hopefully will be October 1st through 4th. I say hopefully, that's when we'll have the services. Hopefully it'll be genuine revival. And uh, David Franklin uh, be our, will be preaching and uh, David Barnes here in Andalusia is going to be leading the music for us, our, our worship time. And so, um, but... Several years we've uh, read a book together as a church just to sort of kind of get us all on the same page, kind of thinking together, talking together about what God's doing in our lives. And uh, so it's a kind of a fun thing, exciting thing to do. Hopefully you got your copy and uh, read chapter one this last week. And, and on Sundays, I'm going to be preaching. I'm not doing a book report. Okay, I'll be, doing, I'll, be, I'll be preaching. Some of you remember this, sounds a little bit familiar. I actually preached a series uh, from this verse back in 2009. 2009. Anybody remember the title and three points of that first ser that first sermon? <laughs> no, yeah, me either. So, <laughs> so sometimes it's good to go back, revisit something. That's not the only thing I've, pre I've preached a series on the Holy Spirit more than once, series on the cross more than once. So uh, sometimes we need to be reminded, go back, think about things, and uh, I know everything we talk about, we don't always remember all of it. So uh, talk about lion chasing. And so let's talk about it this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 23, uh, verse 20. Those of you who are joining us by Facebook Live, welcome, guys. We're glad that you can join us that way. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to sign up, get a book. Uh, you can always order one from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Pick up one at the Christian bookstore. In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day by Mark Batterson. But the main book, that book is not more important than this book, right? This is the book we're going to be looking at. So 2 Samuel 23:20, Benea. was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. So let's talk about lion chasers as we think about revival coming up. We're going to identify what being a lion chaser really means. I read about a guy who was bragging to his friends. He said that one time he slipped up on a lion and cut his tail off with his pocket knife. And uh, they were like, really? He said, yeah. And one guy said, well, why didn't you cut his head off? He says, somebody else already done that. <laughs> so, so maybe being a lion chaser may be a little different than we think, right? Maybe a different kind of an idea than we think it might be. The New Living Translation says it this way. Another time on a snowy day, he, Benea, chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Now, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's easy to miss what that, church, what that verse is saying sitting in church on Sunday morning. Sit in church on Sunday morning, we read that verse, and we think, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of neat kind of a thing. But it's a whole lot different story if you're there. If you're the one in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, that's a whole different idea. There's so much about this story. I mean, you just get a verse or two. There's so much about this story that we want to know. What in the world was Benea thinking? <laughs> Why in the world would he do this? What kind of frame of mind was Benea in? Had he, had he seen the lion before? Did he see the lion around camp? Did he see the lion and think he was stalking his daughter the day before? You know, what, was the lion posing some kind of a threat? What kind of weapon did he have? And as my mama used to say to me every once in a while, have you lost your ever-loving mind? 
<laughs> Anybody else's mom ever say that? I don't know what an ever-loving mind is, but sometimes I think I lost mine. Or if my mama thought I lost mine, I think she would have said that if I tried one of these things. But here's the thing. Most people see a lion and they run away. And remember, Benaiah didn't have a gun. This is not shooting a lion from a back of a Jeep on a safari from 300 yards away with a guy. This is not that. This is hand-to-hand combat with a lion on a snowy day, easy to slip and fall and that kind of thing. I mean, this is a real deal going on uh, right here. So we want to talk about lion chasers. Now, what do we mean? Let's talk about this for a minute because uh, we certainly don't want to go out into the zoo and jump in and try to wrestle a lion down. That'd be a bad idea. But here's, here's the way Mark Batterson describes lion chasers. He said, lion chasers are always on the lookout for God-ordained opportunities. Everybody say God-ordained. God-ordained opportunities. And the idea of a lion is the idea that sometimes they're scary. Sometimes they're bigger than we think we can deal with. Sometimes they're frightening. Sometimes they're uncomfortable to do. But some of God's biggest opportunities. And some of the opportunities that you and I have to glorify God the most are indeed the scariest. Are indeed those that frighten you a little bit. If you've read the book, you probably read about how Mark said that when he was 19 years old, he'd never heard of Benaiah. Many of you probably never heard of Benaiah before. I'd read the Bible, but that's not one of those verses that had stuck out to me till I read his book uh, way back in 2009. Uh, Benaiah is an interesting guy, and when most people would run away from a lion, Benaiah, I mean, Benaiah runs to the lion. And Batterson said when he was 19 years old, he heard a sermon on Benaiah. And he said that sermon that this guy preached on Benaiah lit a fire in his heart that hasn't gone out yet. In fact, he said he thought when he was 19 years old, he thought, if I ever write a book, my first book's going to be on Benaiah. (laughs) If I ever write a book, I'm going to write in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. And it took about 18, 19 years before that came to fruition. But indeed, in 2006, he wrote the book, released the book, didn't make, didn't make much of a splash, didn't really catch on. But uh, when they went into the set, barely made a second printing. And somewhere, somehow, it got traction. And there have been lion chasers all over the world that's been inspired by this. And so we're going to, last week we talked about identity and getting unstuck. Our identity as a child of God. Our identity is forgiven. Our identity as an ambassador. Our identity as the, as the branch attached to the vine. Uh, our identity as a representative of Jesus today. <laughs> to kind of bridge the gap, our identity is a lion chaser. Everybody say, I'm a lion chaser. Well, y'all didn't say that with very much confidence. <laughs> lions are a little bit intimidating, aren't they? <laughs> kind, of, kind of hard. Well, what are we getting into? So, so what are our lions? As I said, our lions are those God-ordained opportunities that oftentimes are dressed up like a lion. Uh, here's, here's some examples. A soul-rattling revival. That's a lion worth chasing after. That means you may decide... Uh, to spend some extra time praying, some extra time asking God to search your heart. May mean you want to fast for a meal or two once in a while, maybe a day or so. Maybe you want to do, what, what kind of preparation do you need to make to chase after a soul-rattling revival, a revival that changes your life like it hadn't been changed in a long time? I believe God can do that in revival, don't you? 
God saved me during a revival. God called me to preach during a revival. I love revivals when people gather together for the express purpose of seeing God renew our faith and renew the fire within us and renew our love for Jesus. And we pray for it for months and look forward to it. Spend that time. God just has a way of doing something special. Maybe, maybe you're lying starting a prayer meeting or a Bible study at school or at work. Maybe your lion is singing a special. You need to go to Rhonda after church today before Satan talks you out of it and say, well, put me down for a special. I want to sing a special one day. And I'm scared to death. And Rhonda will say, that's okay, and she'll even pray for you. Maybe a goal, maybe a chasing your lion will be a goal of praying with somebody out loud once a week. A little intimidated by praying out loud with people that's kind of a lion. Just start doing one a week, okay? One a week, and you'll either kind of get over that fear or you'll get an ulcer, but there's medicine for that. Either way, it'll work out, okay? Maybe it's making a new Christian friendship, getting involved in a ministry uh, somewhere in college or high school, somewhere or another like that, but I want to know, is anybody ready to sign up to be a lion chaser? Say amen. All right, look at your bulletin. I gave you a, a lion, the Lion Chaser's Manifesto. We'll have it on the screen if you didn't get a bulletin. Uh, there's also copies of this in the back. When we get to the end of our um, end of the sermon this morning, part of your weekly growth suggestion is going to be read over this every day. Read over this every day. This is by Mark Batter. It's not in your book, but he wrote this uh, in a different place. So let's, um, uh, you just read, read along, and I'll read it out loud. You read it along silently because that's going to be too hard to do all together. But let's try it. I'll do it out loud. You do silently. Here's what Mark Batterson wrote about the lion chaser. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Run to the roar. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-ordained passions. Go after a dream that's destined to fail unless God intervenes. Stop pointing out problems become part of the solution. And all God's people said, stop repeating the past and start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight for your dreams. I would say fight for God's dreams for yourself. Grab opportunity by the main and don't let go. Live like today is the first day and last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Here's one I love. Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. That's the one that's been burning me all week. That's the one that God's been using me all week this week. Don't try to be who you aren't. Be yourself. Laugh at yourself. Everybody else does. No, I'm t- <laughs> that's not part of it. <laughs> but the person that can learn to laugh at yourself, it diffuses a lot of that embarrassment stuff. Dare to fail. Dare to dream. Dare to be different. Chase the lion. And uh, Mark Batterson said his motto in life from that first sermon, he decided his life's motto is chase the lion. Benea's name means built by the Lord. God has built you to chase a lion. God has built you for some God-ordained opportunities that are for you. They don't have to be uh, write a book. They're there for you, okay? God-ordained opportunities that are big, that are, that are scary, that are a little bit fierce-looking maybe, but you know you need to go for maybe getting rid of a sin, removing an addiction, whatever it is. It's go after it because I want to show you three things today that lion chasers do, all right? Three things that I get out of this verse that lion chasers do. First of all, lion chasers seize opportunities, 
They seize opportunities. You see, normal people run away from lions. Lion chasers are wired differently. In the wild, the script's always the same if you run it this way. Uh, man chases lion <laughs> into a pit, lots of snarls and growls, and the uh, lion walks out of pit with blood on his mouth, <laughs> all right? Man versus beast in the wild. Man loses every time here, right? But, and if we were watching a movie, that's what we'd expect, right? you're watching a movie and a guy chases a lion into a pit on a snowy day and you hear all the fight and the ruckus down there, you fully expect the lion to walk out. But in this story, Benea walks out. I wonder what he looked like. I wonder if there's claw marks crisscrossing his face. I wonder if there's blood dripping off of his arm. I mean, it'd be hard to find a lion in a pit on a snowy day and not get a little blood on you, right? I wonder what kind of shape, I wonder if he can barely walk. But whatever it was, Benaiah uh, is the guy who fights and kills the lion on a snowy day. I wonder if he was in that pit, if he ever thought, boy, this is a bad idea. <laughs> I wonder if there's anywhere in there, it's like, man, I one of the worst decisions in my life right here. Have you ever, have you ever felt that way about something God called you to do? Because here's the thing about chasing a lion. You chase a lion, sometimes, and I'm talking about God-ordained opportunities, sometimes, sometimes you wonder, God, why did I get myself into this? Because you see, sometimes it might be applying for college away from home, or it might be taking the job, or it might be taking the Sunday school class, or it might be signing up to sing the special, or it might be asking your Sunday school teacher if you can be his substitute for when he or she is gone. It might be when you signed the papers to buy that house. Anybody remember that? It might have been when you asked the lady to marry you. You might have thought, what in the world did I get myself into? More likely, it might have been the lady who said yes. <laughs> I've had people tell me, man, I woke up three days later and this person's laying beside me and I thought, what in the world have I done? <laughs> it may be something like that. It may be signing up for the mission trip, whatever it is. There, I had to be one of those moments for Benaiah because sometimes chasing a lion, sometimes God-ordained opportunities are really big. I told you about a guy named Robert Reese uh, several years ago. Robert Reed was born with cerebral palsy, and, um, and I told you about him being a missionary to Portugal. Now, here's the thing. He couldn't, he was in a wheelchair, talks very slowly. It's very hard to understand him talk, and where he got started being a missionary was when a guy spoke at his church. Uh, Robert was in his early 20s, and this guy spoke at his church, and he said, we're going to Europe on a mission trip, and if anybody wants to go with us, we're going to have a gospel campaign. We're going to pass out tracts, invite people to the gospel campaign at night. If you want to go and can raise your support, you're willing to go. I mean, we'd love for you to go. And so Robert, in his wheelchair, can barely speak, uh, wheels up to the guy, and this is in the 1960s. He wheels up to the guy, and he says, I want to go. And the guy said, really? <laughs> you want to go? And he said, how's your health, Robert? He said, well, I hadn't been in the hospital since 1948. He said, you got me beat. If you can raise your support, you can go. And Robert said, before he said anything else, he said, there's something else I can't feed myself, dress myself, or clothe myself. And the guy said, it's not a problem. We're all Christians. We'll take care of it. 
And so Robert began to try to raise money and began going to, he went to his home church and raised a sizable amount of the support that he needed. But then he started going to other churches and it just was hard. They're looking at this guy on a wheelchair. He can't speak clear. He's got cerebral palsy and he wants to go to Europe on a mission trip. And I think, what can he do? And, uh, and so he ended up getting his support and he came to the guy's office and he said, here's a check for my support. And the guy said, I'm just fixing to buy tickets. Beat, him by, beat, beat it by just a couple of hours of not being able to go on the trip. And Robert said the cool thing about the trip was when they were there passing out tracks, inviting people to the gospel campaign, he said, I actually had more opportunities to talk to people than anybody on the team. Everybody wanted to know what I was doing there. What are you doing over here in this wheelchair? What kind of material do you have you're passing out in a wheelchair? Listen, guys, that's Chase the Lion and his roommate. His roommate had to dress him, shave him, and feed him every day. And so they got along beautifully. I would say his roommate's a lion chaser. Amen. Second thing, first of all, we're talking about uh, lion chasers. God's in the business of putting us right where he wants us to be on the day that he wants us to be there, okay? Second thing I want you to see, though, is that lion chasers see the obstacles. They see the obstacles. You see, you don't chase a lion into a pit on a snowy day without realizing this could go wrong. <laughs> this could go poorly. You see, anytime you exercise faith and following Jesus, it means something could go wrong here. Something, something could go sideways. They may not respond to me. It's, they may not like what I say. I may miss the words in my songs, whatever, whatever it is. I may feel like I messed up teaching Sunday school. I may ask for do a ministry at work and nobody shows up. There's all kinds of obstacles that could come along with that. Lion chasers see the obstacles. Okay? It's not like, not like we're being foolish here. And, and, and let me just say, I, when I say lion chaser, acting boldly, acting courageously, I am not talking about acting irresponsibly. I'm not talking about driving 90 miles an hour down Brooklyn Road. It's <laughs> not being a lion chaser. I'm not talking about taking all your money out of retirement and investing in the stock that your brother-in-law recommends because he says it's a sure thing. <laughs> not recommending that kind of, not recommending that kind of, I'm not, I'm not recommending being disobedient to your boss, being disobedient to the authorities, uh, being disobedient to the police or your parents or your teacher. I'm not talking about being disobedient. I'm not talking about being rebellious. I'm talking about going after things that God has for us to do it means you see sometimes people think bold means getting on social media and then taking people they disagree with and just trying to slam them you know people that believe in abortion or people believe in same-sex marriage or people that are transgender or something like that and they think being courageous is getting on social media and uh and just you know putting them down or pointing out places they're wrong chasing a lion would be a whole lot more likely would be something like engaging somebody that you disagree with, different politically, different religiously, different on same-sex marriage, engaging somebody that's different from you in a loving way, in a way that you try to understand what they believe and why they believe that, and then you speak truth with kindness into their life. I don't know anybody who's come to Christ because somebody slammed their beliefs on social media. Every time I, and I don't look at social media a lot, I look at Facebook very seldom. I want you to read my posts. I don't care about yours. 
I post things about church, about the kids. I spend very little time reading everybody else's. But if, occasionally if I do, if I see the words, I'm going to vent. I promise you, I say, Lord, help them. If they're a Christian, they just about ruined their testimony or, or hurt their testimony right there. I'm going to rage. You see, you see, if you're venting against a store or against the hospital or against a school, it's very likely you have church members that work there. And you're cutting the legs out of their testimony. Why? So, so we're not talking about being against something. We're talking about being for somebody. We're talking about for the gospel, for opportunities to meet people where they're at. Now, look at 2 Samuel 20, 23 again. 2023, uh, this is Benaiah. He was held in greater honor than any of the 30, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of the bodyguard. So that's an important position, man. You're, you're hanging out with the king. Now, when I read that, I thought, you reckon? So you got three candidates for, king, for, for captain of the bodyguard. First guy majored in bodyguard at the University of Jerusalem. Uh, second guy had worked at a bouncer at, at a bar. And then Medea comes in and says, well, what's your qualifications? Well, I killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Hard. <laughs> uh, the other guy's got straight A's. The other guy's got a little work experience. I want the guy who kills a lion in a pit on a snowy day to be my bodyguard. His bad break, what looked like an awful opportunity, actually turned into a really big break. You see, God is always using our past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities. But those opportunities often come disguised as man-eating lions. So many people that I've seen grow in their faith are people who started by just speaking up in Sunday school. They started by learning to pray out loud with somebody. They started by singing a special in church. They started by asking someone at work if they could have a prayer meeting. And all of a sudden, it grows into a ministry somewhere. They're going to the jail. They're speaking out there. They're teaching Sunday school class. They're giving testimony at Brotherhood Breakfast somewhere or another or WMU meeting somewhere or another. Then all of a sudden, God begins, not all of a sudden, but God begins to grow them as they step and take advantage of the opportunities that are there. Batterson said the greatest opportunities were the scariest lions. When I was in college, my life really turned around. I would say when I was 17, set a record for backsliding when I went to college. And uh, first semester and a half especially, I uh, did not do well spiritually. Got involved in a group called Campus Crusade for Christ. And um, it's called Crew now. And uh, most campuses where, um, where they have a ministry at, they have paid staff people that are there to help lead the ministry. Uh, we had a couple of guys that were a year or two older than me that I went to a, a, a conference, a crew conference. I wanted to start a ministry at Southeastern. I actually went to Southeastern Louisiana. And, um, and so there was a couple of staff people from LSU that came over and helped them get the ministry started. But we didn't have staff people on campus. It was just completely, entirely student-led. Once in a while, a staff person would come over and help us out a little bit. Sometimes we'd drive to LSU, get some training, that kind of thing. And so after I graduated, so we, we always felt, especially me, I always felt like, because I didn't get started with those guys, I always felt like I was a step behind everybody. You know, I always felt like I didn't know enough, hadn't been trained enough. And so I um, had an opportunity when I graduated. I had an opportunity before that, and I, I chickened out on it. But I had another opportunity after, well, actually didn't chicken out. I needed to work, make money for, for school. But when I graduated, I had an opportunity to go on a mission project for all summer. 
And so um, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to do that. Didn't have the excuse of um, having to work for, I uh, wasn't an excuse. I didn't have the reality of saving up for another semester. And so I went. And so what happens, on the, there's 56 uh, college uh, guys and girls from all over the country. And you meet there. And the staff stays with you for about six weeks. And then you do it about six weeks by yourselves. And so they chose different ones of us. And I'm not, I'm, me and one other, two of my friends, were the only ones from non-staff campuses. Everybody else has been trained by staff. And so they give you uh, 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 assignments, jobs. And some of them are setting up outreach. Some of them are leading Bible study, you know, different kind of jobs. And, and so I, I kind of, the Bible study job intimidated me some. I was kind of thinking maybe that would be good, but I didn't want kitchen. <laughs> That's going to be a bad job. And so they called me aside, you know, it was during that time when they're doing all that. And the guy said, uh, Barry, we want to, and, and they're big on, they always challenge people. Always, always, they're always challenging people. I'm going to challenge you to be in a Bible study. Challenge you. He said, Barry, I want to challenge you to think about being project director. I said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, I want you to consider being project director. And I thought, first thing I said was, but I'm from a non-staff campus. <laughs> I haven't had the training these guys I haven't done the things these other guys I, you know, I'm in no way qualified to do that but you know what sometimes when you feel most unqualified is when you're most qualified and of course you can understand how much that helped me and prepare me to pastor churches I was reading where Craig Rochelle, Craig Rochelle leads one of the largest churches in America. I love to listen to Craig preach. He's a dynamic uh, communicator. He said uh, several times when early in his ministry, just before he came out on the stage, he threw up in the back. Kept him a bucket in his office so he could throw up. Uh, any of you ever heard of John Ortberg? John Ortberg, I love John's books. Love to hear John preach. And John said the first time he preached, he fainted. Just passed out. And um, so he said the second time he preached, he passed out again. I think he did it three times in a row. And he said it keeps your audience attention when they're wondering if you're, <laughs> if you're going to actually, you know, place some bets on if the guy's going to make it to the end or not. And he said, you know, since those days, I've never been, uh, I've never been able to preach without being so conscious that I'm dependent on God. Which leads me to my last point, which is the lawn chasers are sustained by the omnis. <laughs> they're sustained by the omnis. By the omnis, what do you mean by that? Well, there's, some, there's the character of God. We're not talking about doing this on our own. We're not talking about revving ourselves up and being bold and courageous, you know, because that's who we are. We're talking about being built by God. That's Benaiah's name, built by God, trusting God, leaning on God, depending on God to be the one who builds us for the opportunities disguised as lions. Um, here's what I mean by omnis. He is omnipresent. He is omnipresent. Omnipresent means he's everywhere. He was in the pit with the lion on a snowy day with Benet. Wherever you are today, whatever uh, diagnosis you may have, whatever frustration you may be dealing with, whatever relationship problem you're going through, whatever financial crisis you're at, he is in it with you. I read this morning in my quiet time. I love the way the message does John 1.14 when it says the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. Moved into our neighborhood. He is omnipotent. Omnipotent means all-powerful. 
Oh, he's way, 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 way more powerful than the scariest opportunity, the scariest lion you ever faced. And he's omniscient. He knows, he knows, he knows how he's built you. He knows what he's built you for. He knows what's going on. He knows everything, all the fears, all the nerves, all the stuff, all of that. He knows all of that. He knows that when we step out in faith to chase the lion, there's a sense of nervousness, excitement, and sometimes a little nausea, <laughs> as Craig Rochelle said. So remember, guys, God, God is preparing God opportunities for you and I as we prepare for revivals. Here's your weekly growth suggestion. Your weekly growth suggestion um, is this. Each day in your quiet time, ask God to show you how to be a lion chaser. Read chapter 2 in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Now, if you uh, signed up, the church purchased your book, if you don't read the chapter each week, uh, you'll get the, you might get the hives and your toenails may fall off. <laughs> may not, but they might. And uh, so, uh, anyway, read chapter two. Some of you are cheating. Some of you are reading ahead, and you get points taken off. No, you don't. I thank God. That, but do try to read, read the whole book this week if you want to. But do try to read eat the chapter each week so we can kind of all be on the same page. So read chapter 2. And then I would encourage you to read over that Lion Chaser's manifesto every day. So let me close with this. Who's the greatest Lion Chaser? It's Jesus. Now, if you drifted off, come back real quick while we close. How did Jesus chase a lion? Jesus chased the lion to the cross on a hot day. Why? To pay for your sin and mine. And he didn't win. He did win, but he died. Now, his lion was you and me. Save us from our sins. To put us right with God. To enable us to live with God forever. And what it meant for him, it meant a bloody death. It meant going down into the grave and coming out again. Now that's trusting the omnis. <laughs> that God really is omnipotent. That God really is omniscient. That God really uh, is all-knowing. God really is everywhere. That, it, that is trusting in God. Now, I know he was God, but he's also, he is God. He also trusted in God. You, you are who Jesus chased after. Aren't you glad he was willing to look the lion of the cross and the grave in the face and come after you and come after me? Would you bow your heads for a moment as we pray today? Would you bow your heads for a moment? I'm going to ask Lisa to come to the... Um, to come to the piano, and uh, in just a moment, Lisa, I'm going to ask you to play just one verse of Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. If we bow this morning and uh, get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper, um, I want you just to ask the Lord this morning, Lord, make me a lion chaser. And to start off by saying, Lord, thank you that you chased after me. You might even want to say, Lord, when I wasn't even interested when I didn't even want you to, when I even wasn't aware that you were doing it, that you chased after me, that you're willing to go to a cross to chase after me. And how many of you are glad today that even this past week, at your lowest moment, Jesus was chasing after you? 
He was after you. He's coming after you. He, he is not intimidated by any fear, any problem, any sin that you've got. Jesus is not afraid of it. He's come for you. And so just for one verse, Lisa's going to play softly. You talk to Jesus just for one verse of Jesus paid it all as you prepare your heart to take the Lord's Supper this morning.